what it did, Diane. Cheered me right up. Made me think, hey. What a wonderful world. Hey. Everybody. <laughs> Ooga booga. And stuck. There's a blinking blue light over there, Diane. Well, let's turn it off. Then. All right. There's probably a blue light blinking upstairs, too. And yet, we're still alive and uh, got a few more, few more arrows left in the quiver. And we're just kind of floating, floating on the willy-nilly winds of time and space. So it's been a willy-nilly week here in Lake Abundance. Over to you, Diane. <laughs> no, actually, before that... It's 9.42 a.m. Saturday, October the 7th, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's... The Bill and Diane Show. Well, you know... I do know, but... Uh, when we first not... started this whole venture, yes, you was... were saying, what about just turning on the microphone while we're talking for, you know, like 10 minutes in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say 10 minutes? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you were saying... Well, I was, was thinking just... in terms of the audio blog, which is usually five minutes. So I thought if you and I were both talking, we'd need about twice as much time to say everything there was to say. See, the idea of the audio blog is to talk without really saying anything. I see. Yes, which is, the, which is what constitutes the opening portion of the show that I feel responsible for personally. The part that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> That's, and, and then throughout, the little interstitial... I got myself a cup of coffee here and I'm going to take me a sip. Insertions of nothingness. That's what I'm responsible for. I see. Ah, ham and eggs. You are responsible for topics of conversation, intelligent points, uh, well thought out ideas, and, uh, you know, inspiration for the masses. I see. Yes. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Nobody defined this. It wasn't in my contract, Bill. Yeah, but I mean, you knew who I was. <laughs> you were acquainted with me by that point. We had been together. What? <laughs> When was that? 20, 2013, 2013, I think, is when we started. Yeah. Which is 10 years ago, by the way. 10 years of this. And people... And we're, uh, and we're approaching our 500th episode. Oh, my God. That's right. Well, I'm glad that it's just doing this on a Saturday morning, or else I would feel a horrible responsibility. I, you know, but otherwise I just feel like we're just chatting. <laughs> right. That was the idea. Because <laughs> we, were, we were sitting here chatting... When I came up with the idea, you know, we should just record some of this and put it out there. What the heck? Nobody knows that it's, you know, a weirdo and a wise woman, but they'll find out. <laughs> a weirdo and a wise woman? Yeah, I think that's a good match. I think that's a good match. You should hear our conversations of a push. They go on for oh, hours oh, and hours man, and that's hours. Just, that's just, that's, that's where we get... We get together with the professionals, which are the sea, and the wind, and the clouds, and the birds. And the, and the wildlife, yeah. And the wildlife, yes. And um, that's where it just kind of gets unleashed, because that's the primordial shore of conversation. And oh, I'm so happy we'll be able to still make our trip, despite yes. all the 
medical woes that we have been yes. um, featuring in these last few months. Um, speaking of medical woes, uh, woes. Well, actually, medical healing. Um, I, I feel like uh, so. I had a, a meeting with the oncologist this last week, uh, and it was first of all, it was really interesting because we we're in a room that had like a, a gliding chair that yeah, you sat in. I was in a glider room and a. Uh, Sort of comfy. It was a massage chair. You had the controls off your right hand. There. Oh, I see. see it. Okay. It was one of those massage chairs. I didn't. I didn't see it. Maybe no. I would have put it on otherwise. Oh, because it but, was right between us. I thought you would automatically. Have seen but I couldn't believe that it was in this very comfy environment. That mm-hmm. um, I was thinking, wow, this is pretty plush. Yeah. Maybe because you probably can't sit in a glider rocker while you're getting the radiation treatment because that would kind of. Well, you, you wouldn't be doing radiation there at all. That's oh. just meeting with the oncologist. Oh, but I was really thrilled to hear him say that not only was I not going to have chemotherapy, but he said, because of your oncotype DX score being so low and the that you had so few lymph nodes involved, the the chemotherapy wouldn't be beneficial to you. Yeah. It wouldn't be effective. And I was like, wow, that's even stronger than just saying you don't need to have chemotherapy. Yeah. So. No reason to destroy your immune system just now. But it was a very quick appointment, too. So. Yeah, it was. Other than that, the, oh. um, I've just been, you know, doing some, some, uh, integrative medical sort of stuff like craniosacral and and meeting with a the nurse who was talking about you know how to best have have the best nutrition and best movements and everything for this right now and that's where I am and I feel like I'm I really feel like I'm healing up this week, which sort of follows the pattern of the last time I had surgery. It was like the third, I'm not quite at the th- uh, week three, but nearing week three after the surgery, and you start feeling like, oh yeah, I, I'm not feeling quite so um, so injured as I had from the incision. So, so that's that report. Yay. and. I've been going on walks every day with, uh, mostly with my neighbor, or our neighbor, uh, across the street, Michelle, who has been wonderful about getting me out for walks and, and goes as far as I want to go, because I've been going a little farther every day, but it's not as far as she probably would walk if it were without me. But, um, and it's just been glorious because of the October beauty that uh and the the clear skies around here and the colors are just starting to be incredible i know that they're going to continue to be so for the for the duration yeah but oh man so i'm looking forward to our our la push trip to to drive out there again in the beauty of the autumn leaves It's interesting to have one place that you go 
And I think that both you and I had that experience when we were kids. And that, so we sort of emulate that in yeah. our yeah. in our vacations now. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people like to visit a lot of different places, but there's something about going to the same place and observing the differences and the similarities of that place that has always uh, been something I've enjoyed. Agreed. I didn't ever think of it quite in that, in that way, but yeah. We both like going to the same place over and over again and getting to know it better each time because of our history. Of yeah. Go, uh, of going to well, that's what place. my family did. Yeah. We always went to Cannon Beach yeah. for our vacations. Yeah. And I never felt when my friends would be going to Europe or whatever, back then going to Europe was quite the thing, you know. I, wish, I wonder what, how it would be different if every summer my, my family moved to a mountain lookout cabin. You know, one of those mountain lookouts, yeah. fire watch places. And lived there all summer. How would our vacationing be different now? I mean, instead of being on water, because you and I both were raised on the water. Yeah. To some degree. What if one of us had been raised on a mountain or up in the high country somewhere? Well, it's interesting that you say that because my, uh, my uncle and aunt, they chose uh, to get a cabin. They actually purchased a cabin in an area called the Metolius, which um, was in south, I, I'm not sure if it's, um, I think it's southeastern Oregon, uh, around Bend, Oregon. Well, that's northeastern. Northeast? That's northeast Oregon. Well, for some reason, I think that it was a little south of there. Okay. Well, south of Bend would be, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Whatever. As if anybody really cares, mm-hmm. um, but the but they chose a mountain retreat, and we always still chose the ocean retreat. So, and my uncle and my dad had the same experience of being on the ocean all the time. Interesting. For Interesting. their, I mean, I think they did it more. So your for your aunt and uncle never used the cabin at Cannon Beach. They did, but not the way that we did. Hmm. Um, we used it every year, and I think they did it a little bit more uh, sporadically. But we used to visit them when they were, because they uh, they were getting a cabin at the Metolius, renting a place before they purchased one, and we would go as kids to visit them up there, and it was really wonderful. I, we really enjoyed it, but never quite the same for me as the going to the ocean. There's something... You know, I really feel like that that poem, I must go down to the sea again. There's something so magnetically drawing for me about going to the ocean. Yep. And has been since I was a little kid. So it almost feels like a reward this year after this this very uh, difficult... And I would, I would just say it's a difficult time. I don't feel like this has been a traumatic time exactly, but um, a lot of a lot of attention to the medical uh, part of my existence right now. Yeah. And I think about that a lot of times that, you know, we always feel 
I, I think when we're doing really well physically, we feel like that will never be disrupted. And, and we have only had since our youth times that it was disrupted. You know, I, I think of all the times in my life that, that uh, I was doing great and then something happened, either an accident or, you know, I, could, I needed to have my tonsils out when I was a kid or you get really sick um, and have to be in bed for a week or, you know, there's, it's so fascinating to me that it's like we feel offended if our, our lives are disrupted by any sort of physical ailment. And in point of fact, I think that those times are really important to, I don't know, I want to say to a gratitude for how well your body usually does work, um, a sense that that you're not invincible, (laughs) um, gives you a sense of mortality and and uh, for me, I, I think I was saying, I may have said this last week, uh, I feel a lot a lot more put upon if I'm sick, like when we had COVID or something like right. that, than I do by being, uh, having had surgery and having to deal yeah. with that. Because it doesn't affect your attitude that much. It just affects your uh, the pain in, in this area seems very localized but whereas when you're sick everything everything in your body seems to be yeah, affected. it's a wound it's not an illness yeah yeah so i don't know i i read one time uh it was in robertson davies in the manticore that the the manticore is about a man who's seeking union analysis um and He's telling his life story, and the psychiatrist is weighing in. And he talks about having a, a fairly lengthy illness when he was in his youth, like in high school. And um, it might have been something like mononucleosis or something. He, he didn't really describe it, but it was just something that was kind of taking him out for a while. And, um, and the psychiatrist said well whatever doesn't really kill you you know but gets you to the point where you have to stay put for a while and and think about things um it's sort of a a time to examine your life and look at different things uh more philosophically and not just be the pandemic comes to mind well, just, yeah, exactly. Not just be caught up in the action of everyday life all the time. It gives you a chance to um, to really see where you are and what you're doing. And, and I think about some of the authors that, for example, um, Maurice Sendak. I think that it was, I think it was Maurice Sendak who had been um i was reading the pipers of the gates of dawn that he had an illness that kept him down for quite a while Mm. and that so a lot of people who have become great artists or whatever they they've had some trouble uh in their lives at some point that sort of set them in that path Mm. because they 
couldn't do anything else, you know. I find that really fascinating. Yeah. Because right now, it could be seen as we're not doing much. But I feel like um, the adventures of the mind really go into an entirely different place yep. during this time. Agreed. Agreed. And I had my podiatrist appointment yesterday, and I've been wearing this, uh, this lovely... Uh, blue sandal uh, with a very rigid white sole on it with Velcro. You know, I love Velcro. Um, closures and a compression sock on my foot. And that's what I'll be wearing for the, at least another month because I go back to see her again in November. And uh, so my life is pretty hobbled for another month yeah we're both in this kind of state together though and i think that's interesting too it is interesting diane and it makes it a lot more convenient because man if you were feeling like yeah let's go do these yeah, things diane's <laughs> going for walks now well yeah diane gets to go out and enjoy the fall foliage and stuff you know you could go out to the park though and I don't know. I still will go out to the park, but I think it might depress me. But well, I don't know. But anyway, that's where that's where Billy sits, and will continue to sit. This week I had marvelous conversations, as always, with Cat um, and with Hope and with Lynette. That yeah. was a really wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, I had a dream that I was talking to Lynette uh, about the new collage. And Lynette is an artist that I, I really admire. Um, I really admire her work. And we know each other just from attending some of the same concerts. And they used to come out and see you, yeah, Lynette and, and Larry. Larry and Lynette are a duo. They sing and play and write right. songs. But she is uh, talented in many ways because she uh, not only is part of a music duo and that sings songs, but she also she also does these beautiful paintings. She does collage work. Uh, she makes these things that she calls actors that are uh, sculptures uh, in a very very whimsical sculptures is what I want to say. Um, I just bought one because I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, and she also writes poetry. So she's a multi-talented woman, but I had never really had an in-depth conversation with her. And I had a dream that I was explaining the, the newest collage to her. And the next morning I wrote to her and said, I dreamt that I was talking to you and... Um, I thought I'd share this collage with you because I'm not really sharing it out yet. Mm-hmm. Feels very personal to me on a lot of levels, and I don't know. I I feel like I don't want to. Um, I don't want the power of it to be dissipated. Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I I know that. Some of the people that I am sending it to have had 
similar situations in their lives that <clears throat> that they would understand the, this collage. But um, she said, well, it doesn't have to just be a dream. Why don't we talk in real life? So we had a wonderful conversation. And I have to say that has been one of the things I have so enjoyed, even during the pandemic. You may not be able to get together with people face to face all the time, but we have really explored the joys of talking through either the phone or through Zoom or for, through FaceTime. Uh, and for me, that the relationships that I have with people and hearing their stories uh, is probably one of the greatest joys of my life. So agreed, agreed. It's been a, it's a good time for friends. Tis. It is a good time for friends, and I'm enjoying conversations with my friend, the big guy, on a regular basis, and uh, with Kelly, and my friend Tim. You know. But the other thing about friendships is that they, if you have a friend who you really appreciate their tastes in like books or uh, listening to music, uh, poetry, they introduce you to these new uh, things. Like Bill Woolham introduced me to David Lodge and I have so enjoyed this book that I'm reading. And then I told Kathy that I really love this book because she loved Robertson Davies too. She picked it up. She's reading it and, um, and enjoying it. So, and then I, I heard from my friend Cindy who had, uh, who was the reason I even got involved with victory music and everything because she had made me the, the, um, the Fame. infamous folk rock tape? The famous folk oh, tape. It's not infamous. Oh, sorry. It's famous. Sorry. Folk rock tape. And she said, you know, I've been trying to remember one of the songs that I had on that tape. And I was wondering if you remember a song uh, called, uh, she said, I think I found it. It's called None Can Tell by a musician named Steve Ashley. And she asked me if I remembered it, and I said, actually, I don't remember it, uh, but I looked it up on Facebook and found a performance that he did when he was older of this song. And... You couldn't find the recording that was on the tape? No. Um, I mean, I could find it. She found it too, but you can't find it streaming anywhere. Hmm. Um, she's actually purchasing the CD. So I was just, uh, so when I heard it, I thought, oh, yes, I do remember this song. And it's beautiful. And the reason why she was thinking about it is that it has a mention of uh, October in it. It says the day being late October, you know. So, um, and both Cindy and I are born in October. So October is... I don't know. I found that a lot of people love October as uh, as a month. I always thought it was because it was my birthday month, but now I'm beginning to think. No, I think a lot of people like October. There's it's something so beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful time of year. Yeah. 
So, um, so I just, I was thinking about how much she influenced my, not only my musical taste, but how from my musical taste, I went into this whole different pathway. So you think about all the, the conversations that you have with people and how they, they're telling you their passions, you get involved in their passions and maybe you absolutely love their passions. Maybe you uh, think, oh, it's not really my style, but, uh, but you still kind of dip into it just because your friend likes it. And mm-hmm. um, I just feel like that has been a real fascination of my whole life, but particularly now when, when I'm not able to do as much action in the world. And I was telling you this week, I said, you know, I'm starting to get used to being retired. You were saying that was not as easy for you. You were feeling a bit. I think it would be better if I was walking. Yeah. That's, that's what's missing in my life. But there's something that I actually feel like you have to get used to not working and uh, not having the stress being applied on a regular basis. Uh, Because even with a, a couple of days of work a week, I thought that that would, and a, and a very enjoyable, low key job, I thought, well, that'll be fine, but but it still, I think, was not allowing me to totally uh, kick off the traces, so to speak, and mm-hmm. and be in the retirement mode. And I think that it's important to go through that. I know a lot of people would disagree with me. I think some people feel like, oh, you need to be active in a working sort of way, because I think that you're still active. But then it makes me wonder whether, for example, my making this collage, uh, would I have done it as easily if I were working? Because you have to allow a certain um, dreaminess to fall over you when when I am doing collages, that's the way I do them. Um, and I know that you, you've made a practice of this, even when you're working of writing poetry, but, um, but for me, I'm starting to wonder whether I'm having a bit of a call to more my artistic side that I don't always allow to be expressed. Mm-hmm. And that is my struggle because I've always felt like, oh, I've got to be responsible and I've got to work and I've got to earn money and I've got to do things in the house. And I, you know, I always had an excuse um, not to indulge my artistic side, which is the way I've always thought of it as indulging it Mm -hmm. rather than just letting it call to me as a a part of me. So Hmm. anyway, interesting. So now I'm beginning to think, well, maybe I can just do things because I love them, not because they're practical and useful and, um, and help in a very, uh, you know, that you can look at and say, yes, that is going towards this thing, you know. Anyway. And speaking of music. Oh, hello. Yes. 
Speaking of music. I had these two songs that were sent to me this uh, this week. The one that I just spoke of that Cindy uh, yeah. introduced me to, the None Can Tell, with the, the day being late October. And then Kelly sent this beautiful song uh called i think october song right Mm -hmm. by the incredible string band that was beautiful and then gene burnett had uh invited people to post different october well just things about falling leaves or falling itself and um sort of autumnal themes and I've really enjoyed that Gene Burnett does that. That yeah, he's Gene's got a really nice thing that he does. Every yeah. yeah. Sometimes he chooses what he's listening to to introduce other people to, and sometimes he asks, "What is your favorite song about the fall, or uh, you know that kind of thing?" And when he did that invitation, I, I had uh, my contributions were a song by Justin Hayward of the Moody Blues called Forever Autumn, which I had not visited in, I don't know how long, you know, decades. I had not, but that song came to my mind. And then the other one was Leaves That Are Green, which is a song my brother and I always sang um, when we would be, he would be practicing his guitar in his bedroom and we would sing um that was one of our favorite songs because it was so great for harmonies and uh and so you know the leaves that are green turned to brown i just thought oh that's such a great song (laughs) i mean and and it's and somehow thinking about it from the standpoint of I was 21 years when i wrote this song i'm 22 now but i won't be for long (laughs) <laughs> time hurries on. I mean, hearing a, a 22-year-old talking about time hurrying on and knowing now that he's in his... He's 80. He's 80s? 81. Now. 81. Yeah. And that we are in our 60s, we who were listening to that song, it just takes a totally different turn. Yep. And then I was thinking about this the song that I chose for today. Um, which is one that we've featured on the show several times, I'm sure, because I always think of it in the the fall. But uh, it has a particular uh, line in it that always makes me think of it, which is first October leaves turning gold and silver. And ever since I heard this song by a local musician, Stanley Greenthal, I fell in love with it. And it was written by both Stanley and his wife, Kip. And she actually has written a story that is about the story in this song. But the reason why it has so much more poignancy for me now is exactly what I was talking about with the Paul Simon song. I've been listening to this song since the nineteen uh, mid nineteen eighties because uh, whenever he first sang it on stage, um, I just thought, "Oh my God!" I mean, I I fell hard for this song, is what I can say. You know how there are some songs that you listen to on the radio that it, 
you may not even like them at first, but then they actually become more important to you. And they attach themselves to your life at a particular point. Yeah. And so that every time you go back to it, it resonates from there and everything since then. But this one was one of those songs that I fell hard for. I fell in love with this song the first time I heard it. And Stanley himself is such a uh, kind, compassionate, uh, very soft-spoken man. He's not somebody who calls much attention to himself. So his music is representative of a certain peace and calm that... um, that I've always loved. And I have loved many of Stanley Greenthal's songs and his instrumentals that he does. They're just incredible. Um, But this particular one was, I think, one of the first songs I ever heard him do. Wasn't that his first album? It was his first album. And I actually, I did the, I, I helped in some way on that first album. So he gave me a, a copy of it before it ever came out. It may have been that all I did was that I was going to be reviewing it. I don't remember mm-hmm. now, but I got it even before they had the artwork and all that. But he knew that I loved this song uh, so much. But it's so interesting because it's talking about a person who's struggling through shoal water. And even on the album, uh, he's he talks about what shoal water is because not everybody would be familiar with shoal water if you were not involved in that. So, and I'm just gonna read what they they say on the album. The term shoal water describes a place where water becomes shallow over a bank of land, a dangerous place to be in a small rowboat. So the fact that this is a song about getting through a a dangerous time, and it's all talking about that... um, that feeling of trying to to get through that danger to bring a gift to another person mm-hmm. um, for me this time when I was listening to it I definitely related it to because you know I've been choosing songs that are about my journey that that kind of feeling of will I be able to row long enough and strong enough you know that's it was a lot more apparent to me now <laughs> than it ever has been yeah. about how you have to bring up your strength to help your body through you know and then the the gift I've always thought ever since I first heard this song that it was talking about love, you know, yeah. the love that the 
the person has for the person that they're talking to. Then, um, even though it's talked about like the pearl is in my bow, it's that it's the love that I am bringing. So for some reason, this this time around, when I was thinking about this song, because I always think about it in the first weeks of October, um, I was thinking how powerful a song it has been during my youth and and now an entirely different focus of what this could possibly mean. And I was thinking about that's why I like to reread books. That's why I like to reread poetry. That's why I like to listen to the same music over and over. That every time that you go through something, it you see a different facet of what moved you yeah. about this song or literature or poetry, right. you know. Right. You understand things differently at different points. And the thing that's so funny about some of the things that people have written, uh, some of the songs or literature or poetry that people have produced, is they may not even have even thought of that when they were doing it, you know? Yeah. Because I, I think about some of the songs you wrote when you were in your 20s, or Leaves That Are Green with, you know, Paul Simon. What did he know back then? But he did know something. So it's... Uh, he didn't know how much he knew. Yeah. That's what so. I feel like when I listen to some of my old songs. I, I had no idea I knew that. And I didn't really. Not like I do now. So a person's understanding uh, matures with them. So... There's a lot to, uh, there's a lot of traveling to be done without ever getting out of your chair. I agree yeah. entirely. Yeah. So, writing is going well, uh, walking is not so much. Not so much. And it's frustrating. So, I sit before you, a frustrated. Busted. Old. Dude. And that's where you want to end it? <laughs> I thought I was succinct and you know, offered a certain kind of je ne sais quoi. <laughs> I wasn't going for an ending. I was just trying to trying to contribute something from the pardon me I'm having a drink of coffee say nothing portion of the broadcast <laughs> you boy use words it's good coffee but don't say anything <laughs> good at that you gotta go to your move to your strengths you have to especially when you're feeling a little beaten down by life oh well what a bummer I'm happy Screw it. I'm happy. What are you going to do? I'm happy too. Yeah. So, what do you, yeah. Can't fight the feeling. Can't fight the feeling. Is that where we're going to end it? I guess so. Seems kind of wimpy. <laughs> wimpy, wampy, wambly, you know.
October leaves turning gold and silver from the leaning willow limb that rises and falls and far and wide driven from their harbor come the gray feathered wings to catch and
Door.